Thank you for joining us here at the Sonoma Avenue Church of Christ. We're starting a new series today called Many Gifts, One Spirit. We've been studying the work of the Holy Spirit for the past several months, and we have come so far in our understanding of what the Spirit does, how it works, and what its purpose is in our lives. So this series is designed to help us understand spiritual gifts a little bit more and to discover what God wants to empower us to do and how he's doing that. I was thinking about one of my favorite memories as a kid. Uh, movies would always come on TV on Sunday nights, and my parents would sometimes put a blanket or a sheet down in the living room so that we could eat dinner down there while the movie was on. And one of my favorite movies to watch was the original Superman movie. Seeing Christopher Reeve fly for the first time and, and catch Lois Lane and the helicopter and that whole thing was just amazing to me. And it started in me a love for superheroes. I mean, what's not to love about them? They have all these amazing abilities. They can, they can fly and they're super strong and they can shoot lasers out of their eyes and they can do all of this really cool stuff that as a kid I really wanted to do. There's something really compelling about the superhero story. And certainly those stories have multiplied in the last several years through the amazing movies that my kids have been able to grow up with and see. It's a long way from Christopher Reeve. But I wanted so much to have those superpowers as a kid. It was the only time where it sounded like exposure to some kind of radiation was a really good idea. We're drawn to the idea of superheroes. We're drawn to the idea of having these special abilities. And, you know, it, anyone can be ordinary, but it's the extraordinary that draws our attention and that catches our eye. Let me tell you just a few stories that illustrate the extraordinary things that real people have actually done. In 2006, in Tucson, Arizona, Tim Boyle watched as a Chevy Camaro hit 18-year-old Kyle Holtrust. The car pinned Holtrust, still alive underneath. Boyle ran to the scene of the accident and lifted the Camaro off of the teenager while the driver of the car pulled him to safety. Exhibit number two. In, two, in 1982, in Lawrenceville, Georgia, Angela Cavallo lifted a 1964 Chevy Impala from her son Tony after it fell off the jacks that had held it up while he worked underneath the car. Mrs. Cavallo lifted the car high enough and long enough for two neighbors to replace the jacks and pull Tony from beneath the car. Exhibit number three, Marie Bootsy Payton was cutting her lawn in Highland, Texas when her riding motor mower got away from her. Peyton's young granddaughter, Evie, tried to stop the mower but was knocked underneath the still-running machine. Peyton reached the mower quickly and easily tossed it off of her granddaughter, limiting Evie's injuries to just some severed toes. It could have been a lot worse. Curious, Peyton later tried to lift the mower again and she found that she could not move it on her own. These stories are amazing and they're crazy. People doing these incredible things, things that they couldn't normally do in these amazingly stressful situations. 
But wouldn't it be great to have superpowers without the radiation or the car accidents or the runaway lawnmower? Wouldn't it be great to be able to do extraordinary things? The Bible teaches us that with God on our side, we can, in fact, accomplish extraordinary things. And maybe there are already some scriptures that are coming to mind when you think about these promises, like Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Uh, Matthew chapter 19, verse 26, talking about the camel going through the eye of the needle. With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Or Romans chapter 8, verses 31 and 37. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, it stands to reason that with God on our side, we would have access to power. We would have access to strength. We are going to be rehashing some old ground here for those of you who have been on this journey with us, but all of the things that we're going to go over are important for what lies ahead of us in this series. So, number one, it's clear that God's people have always had an advantage when they're faithful to God and they access his power to carry out his mission here on earth. If you think back over the biblical, the biblical narrative, God gave his people, those that relied on him, great power. Um, the great strength of Samson, one of the judges, uh, the miracles of Moses. Uh, think about the battle of Jericho when the people of Israel came up on a fortified city that they had no business going up against and God tore the walls down. Think about the military prowess of David or the wisdom of Solomon. God gave his people great power. And there is one very simple lesson we learn from these and other examples. Principle number one, having God on your side makes a difference. Jesus himself envisioned that his disciples and those that would come after he had left the earth would not be left alone, but would be given a helper, the presence of God to live in their lives. Let's look at John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. This was a key point that Jesus wanted to make here in John 14. Jesus taught his disciples that he would be leaving, but that God the Father would send someone in his place to be the helper that the followers of Jesus would need. Now, this is a crazy idea for us because what could be better than having the actual living Jesus there with you? But Jesus was convinced that in order for God's work to go forward, the Spirit needed to come. And what would make the work of the Spirit so different in the lives of the followers of Jesus is that the Spirit 
was would live inside of the disciples and and change them from within and and so he knew that that it was better for him to go so that this indwelling spirit could come upon his people and could begin to work on them from the inside in this dynamic way if you go back and read john chapters 14 through 16 it's very clear that God intentionally sent his spirit here to do a specific work in the followers of Jesus. And, and that the work of the spirit was intentional and crucial. God wanted his children to live a dynamic, spirit-filled and empowered life. So simple principle number two. God intends for the spirit to be his tool of empowerment in our lives. It is undeniable that early Christianity experienced a great empowering through the indwelling Holy Spirit. From the time that the Holy Spirit announced its presence dramatically on the day of Pentecost, the followers of Jesus experienced the dynamic power of God in their lives in really tangible ways. And just at first, the sake of example, we're going to look at the life of Paul. Paul was in many ways the greatest preacher, teacher, church planner, and missionary around during the time of the early church. And his writings certainly have been influential uh, in the New Testament and in the kind of church that we want to be. But here's the thing about Paul. Paul insisted, he insisted that his preaching was not only accompanied by the work of the Spirit, but it was made effective by a demonstration of the Spirit's power. From Romans chapter 15, verses 18 through 19. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done. By the power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Spirit of God, so from Jerusalem, all the way around to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. Paul wanted to make it very clear that he was not just speaking words that came to him through his own doing, but he was informed by the Spirit, that the Spirit was giving him everything to say along with these signs and wonders. So how exactly was Paul gifted? What did the Spirit enable him to do? Paul was gifted by the Spirit in many ways. He spoke in tongues, healed people, cast out demons, prophesied, saw visions, and received specific direction from the Spirit. And this is something that is truly remarkable to me because wherever he went on missionary journeys, what he did while he was there, even knowing how long to stay and were those things were all directed by the revelation from God's Spirit. But Paul wasn't the only one with gifts. He ministered to Christians who themselves had gifts of the Spirit. Certainly the church in Corinth had different gifts, and Paul wrote extensively to them about what to do with those gifts and how they should be used within the body. Timothy had a gift of God, which Paul told him not to neglect, but to fan into flame. 
When disciples did not have gifts, the apostles laid hands on them so that they could receive the Spirit. And Paul encouraged people to eagerly desire spiritual gifts. People had all different sorts of spiritual gift, even though they came from the same Spirit. Here's the thing. Paul lived in a world where the gifts of the Spirit were a reality that Christians were experiencing, using, and even struggling with. So simple principle number three. The Spirit empowered all the followers of Jesus in different ways, but always to do the work of God. So the big question that, of course, arises if we look at the idea of spiritual gifts is, are we still gifted by the Spirit? Now, while we might agree on the principles that were listed above, and we're not going to argue that the Spirit was used or did certain things, here's where we get to a little bit more shaky ground. Uh, let's read just one passage from Paul that talks about spiritual gifts as a way to sort of illustrate where we get uneasy. From 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one, just as he determines. Okay, so there are some things in this passage that are easy for us to accept and understand, and there are other things that challenge our understanding of how the Spirit works today. Uh, it starts out easy enough with gifts of wisdom and knowledge and faith, but then it talks about all of these miraculous gifts that none of us have, and we're not totally sure that we believe in. And furthermore, if I can just say this, I'm not sure that most of us even want some of these spiritual gifts. We've been scared off by these things, and instead of trying to understand giftedness, we have tried to explain how these particular gifts are no longer present. And I think that when we get locked into these other more charismatic gifts in one way or another, it becomes an exercise in us missing the point. For example, look at this passage from the book of Romans. Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. 
If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Now, these things are not nearly as scary, but we need to understand that they are still called spiritual gifts. They are considered to be areas where the Spirit of God can empower us to do dynamic things through Him. So, what's the point? The point is this. Everyone who belongs to Jesus has the Holy Spirit living inside of them. And because we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, we have spiritual gifts. We do. We have spiritual gifts. Paul doesn't seem to think that this idea is in doubt or will ever be in doubt. If you are in Christ, you have the Spirit. If you have the Spirit, then the Spirit will empower you. You will have spiritual gifts. Now, just like Paul said in the 1 Corinthians 12 passage, people are going to be empowered in lots of different ways. And this is done intentionally by the Spirit. Not everyone is the same, and not everyone is given the same gift by the Holy Spirit. And this is, again, done intentionally by the Holy Spirit of God. There are many different gifts that we can have. And the Spirit can show himself in a certain way in your life that will look very different than even the person who may be sitting next to you right now. I like to think that the Spirit empowers us to be the people that God wants us to be. But more than that, he empowers us differently so that when we all come together, we form the dynamic and powerful body of Christ, where the gifting of the Spirit mixes and molds us into this loving and caring group that will take the gospel out into the world. We are gifted and we are expected to know what our giftedness is so that we can use the gifts that God is giving us. Paul told the Christians in Corinth to desire spiritual gifts for a reason. We should want the power of God to flow through us so that we can make a bigger difference in this world for the kingdom. I don't want to do it on my own. I don't want to work under my own power. I want the power of God to flow through me through his indwelling spirit. And spiritual gifts played a huge role in the growing and building kingdom of God. Don't you think that we still need those gifts today? That we still need the empowerment of God in this world that we live in to make a dynamic difference in the lives of those that we come into contact with. I think we do. And so we're going to continue to explore spiritual gifts, what God may be gifting each of us with, and how we can use them here together at the Sonoma Avenue Church of Christ. 
And my prayer for us through this time is that we will no longer be a people who ignore the work of the Spirit in our lives. We've spent a lot of time studying the Spirit, exploring what it can do and how it can do it, and it's time for us to begin to access this amazing power that God is giving us so that we can make a difference in this world. I believe that the Holy Spirit is alive and active in our lives. I believe that we are all gifted and empowered to do the work of God here on earth. I believe that God wants us to use his power, the gifts that he has given us, to make a difference. So let's maybe stop talking about how we can change our world and see if by accessing the power of God through his Holy Spirit, by letting him gift to us, let's actually do it.